Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I am Eva Venari, and I'm founder of the Elevate Institute. I'll be your host today for this segment, Loaning Your Health, where we explore alternative ways to be more consciously aware of truly owning what it takes to take care of your body at work with today's health thought leaders. And our topic today is empathic leadership. So our leading lady today is Brenda Williams. She is a visionary empath coach who works with mission-based business owners to move past managing the gift of empathy by helping them hone their gift, own their voice, and support themselves through growing businesses that are aligned with their soul's purpose and calling. Good afternoon, Brenda, and welcome to the show. Oh, Ava, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I mean, we had our, our, our first conversation a couple of months ago, and we were just chatting away about what we would talk about. And there's so many different mm. places we can go. And, of course, when we're talking on, on this show, I talk an awful lot about the physical body and how we can support that. And I think as mm-hmm. we get into the more of that holistic viewpoint that we're all reaching, I guess, striving to embrace, but the grasping of it is a little more difficult because, like, the mind, body, spirit also includes emotions. And emotions have everything to do with the physical body. So while it's not directly related, it is certainly part of the holistic viewpoint. And that's why we, I wanted to have you on today because there are so many questions out there about what, what, what is an empath, really. There, there's a lot of new age information out there, and there's a lot you can look mm-hmm. up in the dictionary. But I want to know. <laughs> and I want right. to share with the listeners, okay, what is an empath? So good. You're right, because, you know, Google will take you down the rabbit hole (laughs) if you put put that in. So I I really want to center um, that, you know, from the science standpoint. So Dr. Judith Orloff, the godmother of empaths, wrote this amazing book called The Empath Survival Guide, and it suggests that the um, refractor neurons in the brain for the empath is uh, where we store or register empathy. And that area, those neurons are way more sensitive than perhaps the average person. And so we're talking about, um, I would say, a smaller percentage of people um, who, you know, we live in this world where we celebrate a more extroverted personality, where logic um, and uh, numbers and data and science sort of govern everything. But I would say that... uh, it, there's a marriage necessary of our emotions, our empathy, our spirit that has to go along with the facts, figures, uh, and, and data to make things more humane. So the empath ha- has the ability to sense the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of other people um, in a more local way, meaning that they can feel it in their own body, uh, what another person may be experiencing. And so this is a really great skill or a great gift to have 
for anyone who's in leadership who is working with other people that are making um, really huge and heavy decisions that not just, you know, impact an organization, but will have an impact on the community um, as a whole at large, um, the world. So empathy or being empathic is definitely um, a gift, especially, again, like I said, when we're making decisions that are going to have long-lasting impacts. We need people in position um, that understand um, and have that that depth of really creating um, safe spaces and um, I would say like public empathy, uh, public intimacy rather. Um, we need those kinds of people making uh, making decisions so that our world um, begins to shift to where we think about a future that is shared, power with versus a power over. Yeah. Now you bring up such a good, good, good point. And there's few people, and I would love to know what that percentage is. What, what do you, is are there statistics on what the percentage of people who are empathic? Yeah. So the the numbers vary depending on you know where where you do your research, but it most research will will lend to less than ten percent of the population um, wow. is empathic. Yeah, it's very, 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 very low. But when we think about how power is controlled or um, those numbers are also very small too. So you have a small fraction of people that hold most of the power. And I think what's so beautiful about um, convenings like your show, we talk about the power of, of women and we talk about the gifts that they bring. And I think that when we look at uh, marginalized voices and identities, when we can self-actualize and realize that we have power, uh, I believe that we can start to shift dynamics when we know that um, emotionally, spiritually, we have the ability to create our own realities. And that's super empowering. It's just the powers that be (laughs) run these narratives that keep us um, second-guessing ourselves, not fully stepping into our power. And I I love the work of um, Audre Lorde. So whoever your listeners, please look her up. She's a noted um, poet, activist, um, visionary, feminist, um, who talks about the the erotic that lives within us. Uh, wherever you are on the gender, gender spectrum, the erotic in, a, in us is feminine. Power is so nebulous, right, because, well, power you can't contain. So what do you do to it when you want to subdue it? You want to demonize it. You want to make it dirty. You want to make it bad. Right. Um, you know, have us separate from RNA power so that, um, you know, the larger powers that be <laughs> can stay where they are, but I think that, again, you know, your show and, you know, women like you are, are opening up the dynamics for us to really um, explore who we are, how we show up in the world, and the gifts that we bring, and I think that's where the, the empath can lead the charge in a new way, in a new paradigm of us um, relating to one another and how we're using um, this gift and w- what values. Um, constitute as good leadership. Yeah, I, I'm wanting to go like in all these separate little different directions right away. But, but you know, one thing I want to say for sure is go back to that statement you said about power and leadership and people who are extroverts are often the ones who are um, in, in, in those leadership positions. And it's a rare, mm, it's a rare combination to find someone who's an extrovert who's out there has drive, mm-hmm. right? 
who also has integrity. And I think that empathy can help uh, hone the skills of a leader to help them understand what it means to be socially responsible, not just personally with their moral values and, and what they may relate to in any sort of spirituality practice they have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people in positions of authority and power. They have a responsibility to those that they're taking care of, or wouldn't, right? Not just out for their own selfish needs. And so we're talking right. about a shift, a shift of power, right? Mm-hmm. So is that, oh, tell us more, like, is that the empathic leadership you're talking about or is there more to that story? So I think that that starts the, the iceberg part <laughs> of it, but yes, yeah. there's so much more um, to, to the story in, in that um, we're talking about, an evolution of of the empath because sadly there's the shadow side of the empath that you know many empaths will discover that their gift sort of gets activated in childhood a lot of my Mm -hmm. clients um though are successful are still haunted by traumatic childhood um many of them have elevated ace scores and so this is adverse childhood experiences. And so the empath will often develop the skills that they have, um, that they parlay into their business or into their leadership because they had to play diplomat at home. They had to perhaps maybe grow up faster um, because they had to protect maybe younger siblings or protect themselves from their environments. Um, They maybe in their teenage years have found or wanted to um, escape to uh, safer harbors, so they leave home because the childhood experiences are so bad. That, that can, and that can internalize in a couple of different ways depending on whether or not a person is maybe um, an extrovert or an introvert, right? You're talking about the difference between somebody who becomes a narcissist or maybe even has uh, personality disorders and then the opposite extreme of somebody who internalizes everything and then, you know, works right. on themselves, Right. So, That's right. I mean, this is, yeah, <laughs> I'm, it's I'm taking trippy. your word. It can be very trippy. <laughs> it can. It, be very and it, it, it's not, so, so a lot of people say this, and this is down a rabbit hole that we didn't talk about before, but I, I really want to know your thoughts on this. It's like I hear from a lot of um, psychologists and um, people who are experts in the field of, of psychology about these different personality disorders, uh, all the way from narcissism to, you know, any, anything like, um, what's that called? when you're addicted, addictive personality disorder. And they say, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say there's no cure for it. You can only discover new ways of strategizing with it. And having it in your life, it's part of you. It's just you need to deal with it. Well, if your personality and your um, life as a child is what develops this disassociative pattern in your mind to begin with, why couldn't it be helped out afterwards? Why couldn't it be helped if a person really wants to and, and the word cure comes to mind, but can we cure it? So that's the question. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. So a lot of my work lately, I've been really down the rabbit hole around epigenetics. Uh-huh. And, yes, super fascinating, especially in the context of um, post-traumatic slave um, syndrome. So, you know, as we saw last summer, there's been definitely a radical um, racial, racial reckoning that's happening on um, – and I'm sure your listeners are tuning in from all over the world, but particularly I'm speaking about uh, North America. And so when you think about generationally these um, these oppressive systems that have been placed um, and the harm that has not only befallen, of course, the oppressed, but also 
the oppressor to hold these regimes up, those things get trapped in our genetic code and in our bodies. And at one point in time, um, you know, your grandmother carried your mother, which carried you. So we've got three generations in one body. So we have these lived experiences that, you know, to your point, when we think about our mitochondrial, our, our DNA, our dispositions, our personalities, the things that we're born into, I believe that in 2021 we're in such a nebulous space where everything is just all fucked up right now. And we have an opportunity with um, all of the technology and the wisdom that we have um, and the knowledge that we now have about science that we can start to rewrite um, genetic code. We can rewrite our history. And so if we come from that place and from that framework, I do think that it gives um, a more um, optimistic outlook on the future and mm-hmm. what then a shared future of abundance and um, freedom and connection, like what, what, is the, what future is possible if we, you know, can take a look at the shadow, right, if we can take a look at the blemishes of our past and then address them and speak to them so that they can be healed, and then what does that then look like you know, again, if we're taking personal response, you know, taking personal responsibility, taking the, the critical moral inventory of oneself, what's possible? And so I think that there's, it's there a cure, it is possible, but that has to be something again that as a collective we we buy into, and this is where you know the the larger, uh, more dominant culture you know, has to concede power. And I think that power can be seductive and beguiling, right? Because, I mean, there's a whole book with the 48 laws of power. There's so many books and, and, and um, you know, even the way our educational uh, systems are, are set up, it's all around, you know, the first, the fastest, the uh, yes. the strongest. Competition. That's competition, right. exactly. It's, it's yeah. all bread for them. Yeah, sadly, you know, from, you know, the, the white supremacist, you know, delusion, which does not help anyone. And so I feel that if we're going to change, it's going to come through the feminine. It has to come through the feminine because I just feel that through the feminine, that's the preservation of life. Life is so important and it's precious. And when we look at the the nations that fared very well with COVID, they were all led by women. I think it was Belgium, New Zealand, you know, these countries (laughs) that had women at the helm. One of the countries yeah. that, <laughs> that, you know, their, their population fared far better. Well, and, and their women, I suppose, are known for having a better sense of their empathic abilities, but is it exclusive mm-hmm. to women? I would say no. I think that, again, because where we are in our human evolution and our awakening, um, men are tapping into, and I think we're, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I do believe that we are um, investigating, giving more permission to men to explore um, their empathic side, um, for lack of a better word, their feminine um, side. Yeah, and I would right. say, yeah, yeah, those, those, that opportunity to explore your emotions and your feelings and um, to not have them um, judge. And that's what I was saying, that even under the, uh, the oppressor does not benefit for this, from the system because, you know, there's nothing like a good cry. And so where is it not okay <laughs> yes. 
to allow yourself the space and grace of vulnerability. And we know that Brene Brown, her whole body of work is around the power of vulnerability, the strong back, soft front, but we have to allow that space for men, and in particularly cisgendered, you know, white men, to have that space to um, explore their emotions and understand that power does not have to be something that um, we have to use tyranny and fear and and um, corruption to hold. Power is something that is, I believe, a gift to to all of us. And when we're allowed to be in the fullest expression of who we are, the whole the collective benefits when each of us yeah. can show up more authentically as ourselves and allow our gifts to be um, recognized. So there's no benefit to anyone withholding who they are. I agree wholeheartedly, and I want to hear more about that and actually get into the benefits of what an empath has and what they possess right after this commercial break. All right. (laughs) Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And Eva, now back to your show. Thank you, Michelle. And we're back. So we are here with Brenda Williams, who works with mission-based business owners to move past managing the gift of empathy. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, leadership and having responsibility uh, with empathy so that we're not abusing power. And so I really wanted to get more about what are the gifts, the perceived gifts and the real gifts what is of, of an empath? What do they possess? That oh, The 10% of us who have it, what do they possess that's <laughs> different from everybody else? <laughs> Beautiful. So one, um, the empath has the um, ability of tapping into really deep um, emotions and the ability to really synthesize and give words to those experiences that maybe others have difficulty expressing. Um, They have the gift of intuition. Um, They have the gift of precognition. They have the gift of being very, very self-aware. They have the ability to um, really be in that visionary um, space and see what is possible. And because of their lived experiences, have been um, can be very varied and <laughs> trying. They have, a, a, I think, a different outlook and perspective that maybe the average person doesn't because they've had so many different experiences. And I've noticed that empaths are a lot more um, well-adjusted. So the um, tendency to to judge, um, because they've had so many different lived experiences, they're um, more open-minded. And so when we're looking at doing things that are new and different, um, the impact, you know that part of the job that says comfortable with ambiguity? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, no. Right. Yes, yes, right. You know, when you get to, especially when we talk about leadership, right, and a lot of leadership positions when, you, when you're, you know, when you're applying or, you know, you're being brought on as a consultant, um, you have to be comfortable with ambiguity and you have to be comfortable with, um, you know, walking in into situations that may be more challenging and navigating multiple personality types and so many empaths also possess the trait of being multi-potentialized, meaning that they have multiple passions. Yes, yes they have so many <laughs> passions, right, um, that that also lends, a, a, I think, a perspective because you are, again, traveling on these different pathways. You have different portals and vantage points in which you see things through. Yeah, that that really resonates with with me in particular, and I think about the way that I drive in in Los Angeles. I actually will read, <laughs> if you will, the emotional like like what's going on with this car next to me, and I'll know they'll want over in front of me before their blinker goes on. Like that's how I drive, and so it's much more smooth. And and I always think, why well, can't? I'd be great if everybody could tap into this and we could just kind of feel around each other, and so that we didn't have any accidents. Right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> anyway. Wouldn't it be awesome? It would be. So when we when we first spoke, you said something that really really resonated with me, and I I want to dig into this for a minute. Um, you said we need more empaths in society, teachers, healers, first responders, coaches. But we always we're always feeling like we're moving upstream, because the world mm-hmm. isn't set up for us. Let me talk a little bit about that. But there, there's the the shift that's happening. I want to know why that shift is happening. Say more about all of that. Absolutely. So this shift is happening to bring our closest, bring us closer into our heart spaces, right? So we, you know, at the close of 20 or, or when the pandemic really set in, so I would say the clock stopped for me um, in Detroit on, I'll never forget, um, 313. Ironically, that's the area code for Detroit, 313. <laughs> so March 13th, 2020, the world stopped. And if we think about what the world looked like prior to 313. We're looking at a world where we had, um, I'm going to be very honest here, narcissistic leadership mm-hmm. running the country. We had uh, a regime of um, systemic, and it's still here, but I think it was really pronounced because it brought us to a tipping point where we had um, – systemic racism and we had, um, you know, people who were charged with serving and protecting, um, creating uh, terror in in communities. We had um, things that were passing for education where it was separate but for sure um, not equal. We have and we're watching, you know, the fallout in many places like Venezuela and Colombia and definitely Israel and Palestine and not to mention Ethiopia. We're we're just watching the wake, natural disasters, the fires. We remember the fires um, that in your state last year. Mm-hmm. I couldn't forget so many that. Lost yeah. You cannot forget that. Yeah, um, which mask do we wear and when? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. right? Right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about environmental justice as well. Mm-hmm. So all of this was a great crescendo because we were separated from our humanity. We were separated from our spirits. And so something had to give. Well, we all got sent to our room. Enter. <laughs> Everybody had a timeout. You go to your room. You go to your room. You go to your room. Everybody go to your room. And, and the world literally um, shut down. 
And now that we've hit this massive reset button, as we begin to emerge, who do we want to be now? And the empath has an insight. And this is so interesting because um, in one of Dr. Judith Orloff's uh, workshops, she was talking about people who were writing letters to her about um, having dreams about 9-11 before it happened. Yeah. So many of her clients. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. we're having dreams about planes crashing into a building, but mm-hmm. of course, with no context, no one thought that the the, the twin towers, right, this, this this emblem of of power, <laughs> right, the, the trade center, is and and why did they pick the trade center, you know, to to um, to crash? And so I I remember. Um, waking up that morning, really uneasy, like I'm like, something is off. And I had a ringing in my ears that day, and I couldn't understand what was going on. This is before I discovered I was empath. And then I turned on the television, and I thought I was seeing a movie. I kept flipping channels, like, okay, what, this, is, this isn't, it was a very surreal experience. And so I think that, you know, something larger than ourselves has been trying to get our attention for some time to redirect and refocus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on what matters and our ability to um, really tap into, and I don't mean to sound hokey, but to really tap into the unlimited power source of love, right? It's unconditional. It never changes. And there's really nothing that can oppose it. It can maneuver. It can definitely create some illusion, but there's really no opposition that can stand up to love. Now, the powers that be will will create um, illusions of, of of grandeur, of, you know, how many cars can you really drive at one time? You know, the houses, the, the, right. the degrees, you know, right? We get more, and we still feel, but we still feel empty. And that's because right. we haven't connected back to the universal force that keeps us all, you know, keeps the, all of our engines humming. And that, that is love. And I think that the empath, because they're rooted in that, can withstand um, the, the storms that life, um, these systems are, are that often impose on us because they, empaths have, a, a, I would say, this virtue of resilience. And I would say adaptability because I just think resilience is sort of overused. But I would like to see a time where we're not forced to um, – build ourselves back up again, become phoenixes from the ashes because things aren't burning us. And so when we have empathic leadership and empaths, you know, embrace their their strange or weird, I mean, we look at the leaders of, like, the civil rights movement. We look at MLK and we look at, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh and we look at, you know, those who, um, uh, what was it in Stockton, uh, Cesar Chavez, when we look mm-hmm. at the, the, you know, when we look at that type of um, movement leadership, there was something that they were able to do, and I think that they tapped into the heart of humanity that people were inspired to follow them because they were in this space, the deepest part, and I think this is the gift that the empath carry. They were in their total um, empathic um, nature that they were able to tap into something much larger than themselves and then channel that message that then sparked a chord in humanity 
across the globe. And when George Floyd took his last breath, that was a thunderclap that went across the universe. And I believe that that was a a lightning rod moment for us to check ourselves. Where do we want to be? What's the legacy that we want to leave behind? And how will we um, ensure that um, this level of um, malice and and harm is is eradicated from our humanity? I mean, can we imagine a society where we don't have guns? Can we imagine a society where we are, are, are rid of the industrial prison complex? And I think that it's through the feminine, the more feminine leadership that we have, on all levels, at every sector, and regardless of where you are on the gender spectrum, if we can lead with the feminine that looks at um, how things impact the whole and not have it as a zero-sum game, how can we create a society that is restorative versus punitive? And it starts with the empath. That's right. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, Massey brought it up. You said it several times, and I want to really hone in on that because the masculine and feminine is not just what uh, body parts you're born with and what you relate right. to physically mm-hmm. as, a, as a male or a female and anywhere on that spectrum. It's the every single person has a masculine and feminine energy within them, and it's the um, bringing that, that ship right because when we're in competition and we're in these places of abusing power, we're in the toxic form of that gender energy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference that you're talking about. And I, I really value this work. It's part of, um, it, it, I, I, if I were to draw circles like the Olympic circles and how they, they interconnect there, it is an interconnection between the work that I do and the work that you're doing. And it's very beautiful as part of healing, raising our hand to be a part of something larger than ourselves for the purpose of all of humanity. And it seems, like you said, a little bit, um, well, that's a, that's a large order, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> somebody's got <laughs> to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> so this is so this is the opportunity, yeah. right? So it I, is exactly. Empath, rise up! This is this is yes. what you've been now preparing. Yeah, and this is what you've been preparing for. Like this is what life has been giving you, and it may not have felt that way, but you've been in a healing dojo your whole life, and so your opportunities to adapt and to you know transmute and to take life on life's terms and take the circumstances that maybe would have taken another person out. They didn't take you out. They formulated you. They gave you, I would say, the armor of righteousness so that you can can really transcend and lead when you hone the medicine from the pain. I think this has been a wonderful discussion. And I do want to mention before we close out today, you have a free gift, and I want you to be able to share that with our listenership today and talk about the empath assessment and toolkit. Yes, Yes, absolutely. So if you head on over to my website, BrenndaWilliams.com, I'm the only one in the world, so um, you can put in (laughs) (laughs) BrenndaWilliams.com. You can um, uh, download the free assessment. It's right there. It says free gift on my homepage. And it will take you through whether you're an empath or not, where you fall in on the spectrum. So some, there's a, a subtle difference between a highly sensitive person and an empath, and it explains it there. And then there's tools um, to help you with empathic overwhelm. But also there's 17 types of empath. And with the 17 types of empath, you can be more than one. Look at the ones that specifically speak to you and how has that gift shown up throughout your whole life and how can you use that um, and weave that into the work um, 
in the work that you do. And I know that not everyone that, you know, listens to the program is necessarily going to be an entrepreneur, but we all get to be leaders. And so a leader is just anywhere your sphere of influence, take that up, whether you have two followers, 2,000 followers, anywhere in a community in which you live, you can be the change, you can be the champion, you can be the voice that might be naming the pink elephant in the room. But if we're not naming things, then we can't heal things, right? And then just get to be running phantoms all over the place until we can name a thing a thing. So um, so that's available. And I do want to slide this in. I run a girls' leadership program, and we're in the midst of a campaign right now where we're, we're wanting to raise 10K in 10 days. And I hope that those who are listening live or catching on the replay, check out the power of girlhood. That's my gift. That's where my heart is. That's my charge is to, to take um, – girls um, and women, um, that's my charge, but particularly girls between the ages of 8 and 18, um, take them through that process of girlhood and help them to be at the seat and helm of making choices um, for their futures and, um, you know, contributing to the larger society through their natural gifts, talents, and abilities. And so we're in a 10K um, challenge, and I know a lot in the coaching world we talk about 10K 10 10K days, you know, super big launches. <laughs> right. Well, here's the launch of a lifetime. Exactly, right. right. Well, here's the launch yeah. of a lifetime. <laughs> this will directly impact um, girls who may not necessarily have um, access to, to privilege and, and opportunities, but here's an opportunity and here's the ask, 10K and 10 days, and there is no donation that's too small. But I would love, um, you know, for your listeners to check out the power of girlhood and make a, it's a tax-deductible donation that will help change the lives of girls because we have a podcast, magazine, and a week-long summer program um, for um, for girls. And I think that um, this is really a, a great opportunity to roll up your sleeve and get involved. Wonderful. Well, thank you for tagging that in. That's, that's an excellent um, purpose. Like there's nothing better than you know, investing into our future, our children. That's right. So thank you for that. Thank you. Hi. And I want to say thank you for being on the show and being here with us today. This has been a real pleasure and a treat for me. Same. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. So I'd like to say uh, thank you all to our listeners, both in the U.S. and everywhere else, wherever you are. We are an international show, after all. Um, and we'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show. We are live Mondays, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Fridays, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been Eva Venari, founder of the Elevate Institute, and I'm reminding you to question everything. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.